Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Brothers Fantasy Football Podcast, a podcast by two brothers discussing their viewpoints on fantasy football, giving their takes, their analysis, and everything fun in between. I am one of the hosts. I am the younger brother, Derek, and also the other host is my older brother, Daryl. Daryl, how you feeling, my man? Good, man. We are a little bit over an hour away from a scintillating matchup between the Washington Commanders and the Chicago Bears, the matchup we all been waiting <laughs> for. Yeah, yeah oh, they are man. down or Goodness. whatever. Um, but anyway. Or yeah, whatever man, they week, say. Uh, yeah, week six is upon us. So I'm ready to dig in and look at some of these more interesting matchups. So, yeah, let's uh, let's get to it. Let's do it, man. I am pumped. The Astros have just won to take a 2-0 lead. Again, hashtag not a baseball podcast, but I'm pumped from the win. Um, but on today's show, we're going to go over some matchup previews. We're going to get into a little, I can do that. And then we're going to end with a little DBB, just giving our picks for the Thursday night game. Uh, let's get to those matchup previews, though. We're going to start with... As I said, the last week, the big show game, we got Buffalo at 4-1 and one, coming into Kansas City, who's also 4-1. and one. Buffalo's actually a two-and-a-half-point favorite, according to our bet sheet. We got an over-under at 54. Let's start on the visitor side with Buffalo. Darrell, I'm going to turn it over to you. What you got in this matchup for Buffalo? Well, you know, they come into this game seeking revenge for that playoff loss um, last year when Josh Allen played extremely out of his head and they still ended up losing the game because it just so happened that Patrick Mahomes also played out of his head. But, you know, as far as as far as this game goes, both of these teams come in just flying high, offensively speaking. As far as Buffalo, well, as far as the, let me set the scene for the overall game just a little bit. Um, the pace of this game should be should be pretty high. Like there should be a high number of plays run in this game. KC is coming in as the twelfth fastest team. Like they get plays off at the twelfth fastest rate, and Buffalo is number five. So you know, between these offenses being just you know fireworks and the pace that they play at, we should we, we should be in for quite the show. No, I don't need to tell y'all that, but I mean, yeah, we, we should be in for quite the show here. Um, Buffalo pass game. I'll start off there as far as looking at Buffalo. I mean, they should be, they should be locked and loaded. This, um, this KC pass defense, it's, it's good, but it's not elite. So, you know, it's, it's not like they're coming in, um, you know, shutting people down and, and stuff like that. So number one, you know, that, that's number one and number two. It's Josh Allen and them boys that they'll be facing on, on the other hand. So, like, I don't see KC being able to just put that Buffalo offense on lock. So, you know, you were playing Josh Allen anyway. You were playing Steph Diggs anyway. After what Gabe Davis did last week, you're playing him anyway. And I think you should expect really good production out of those guys. Um, I would also say that, you know, Isaiah McKenzie, he he just cleared the um, the concussion protocol. It was either today or yesterday, but okay. he's he's good to go to play. So I would definitely consider him in the flex um, as a flex option this week. 
I say that with just like a little bit of a caveat because he didn't play last week. Khalil Shakur came in, Khalil Shakir, excuse me, came in and filled in for him in the slot. And the kid put up a good performance. So I don't know that McKenzie will necessarily have that slot role on lock, but I don't think his snap share and his route share will be any worse than it was before Jamison Crowder went down. And if you remember before then, McKenzie was still doing pretty good on limited work. So I'm definitely, I'm definitely fine with playing him. As for the Buffalo run game, now it's not, a, it's not a big contributor overall to, to their offensive success. But in this particular game, I don't think that will be an issue. I think the Singletary could be a worthwhile start as an RB2 because the Chiefs are giving up the third most points per game to running backs. And as a matter of fact, they're, they've given up 76 more receiving yards to running backs than the next closest team. And as we have we as we've seen in several games so far this year, Singletary does get he, he does get looks out of the backfield. He does catch passes out of the backfield, and so you know he has a couple of paths to some to some good fantasy. I was going to say some good fantasy goodness uh, to, to some good fantasy relevance <laughs> and, and and whatnot. You know, some fantasy candy, whatever you will for for this week. So I'd be I'd be I'd be more than happy to fire him up as um, as an RB2. And he is in a position to smash this week and, and very much outperform our RB2 uh, territory. So, yeah, the, those are my thoughts on on Buffalo. Pretty much everything is automatic. The, the only only kind of things at the edge being, yes, you want to play Singletary. And if you're looking for a flex, Isaiah McKenzie is a good um, – it, it's, it's good to go in that role, in my opinion. How about you, bro? How do you see things? Yeah, I think most people that are into fantasy and big into it kind of know the lay of the land with, to do with Josh Allen, uh, Gabe Davis, Stephon Diggs in this game. But the Singletary note is a really good note you made, and that's the only thing I'm going to add on. Um, I did a little research myself, and you were you were right on that. Uh, with running backs, with Casey's defense, they've given up 49 receptions through five games to the running back side of it. So that's dang near 10 receptions a game that running backs are catching on um, <laughs> on their defense a game. So um, if you look at that, that in PPR, that's 10 points. Like that's 10 points a game at minimum coming from the running backs uh, on average. So, yeah, Singletary to me is a must start here. Um, he has probably a ceiling of being an RB1 this week. And I think with the floor of the receptions, he's definitely going to be um, a lower tier, you know, I mean, higher tier running back three. But yeah, other than that, with Buffalo, you're just starting them and forgetting it, and that's it. Let's flip yeah, over to look case. at Singletary. Okay. We got to look at Singletary on a um, maybe on some DFS type stuff. Um, I'm not sure what his what his prices are this week, but um, but yeah, if, if he's not too expensive, that could be like a contrarian play against um, all the receivers, well, especially the Buffalo receivers. Uh, yeah, in, in this game. Good, good point. Yeah, I don't know his price on DK this week, but yeah, if he's sitting at 5,500, 5,700, yeah, fire him up, in my opinion, especially in GPPs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, KC, let's look at the fighting Patty Mahomes. What you got on that side? So, as far as the game itself goes, 
I think the the matchup of the week in in this game is that Kansas City passing offense versus this Bills passing defense. Um, I I think that that's where the story of the game is 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 going to be written. Like for for the most part, those are two like very very elite units squaring off with each other, and you know Mahomes is going to have to deal with that with that Buffalo pass rush. You know that's you know famously that Buffalo is a team this year that is able to bring pressure without blitzing, just sending their um, just sending their D linemen and they're able to collapse pockets and get pressure on the quarterback, which means they're able to send four, put seven in coverage, and they have the personnel to basically turn the Kansas City offense into a dink and dunk kind of offense. Now, the thing that's working in Mahomes and them boys' favor is that that's kind of how they've been playing a lot this year. You know, you look back at that Raiders game, and like I said on the last pod or the one before last, when we, when we looked at their game against the Raiders earlier in the week, um, Mahomes' A dot was average depth of target was in the twentieth percentile. He was not he was not throwing very deep very often. So you know he'll he'll be used to that, but then he'll be throwing into you know PFF has Buffalo's coverage uh, pass coverage rated as number five in the league. So that that's a huge difference between what what he was matched up against with the Raiders this past right. week. So yeah, I I I think that's where the, you know that's the that's the crux of the of, of the game. Like right there, those two units going against each other. I'm not one to bet against Pat Mahomes figuring it out, especially in a fantasy context. So, and you don't need me to tell you this: if Pat Mahomes is on your team, you're gonna start him. And I think he will figure it out, you know, just just as we were talking about last week, as you know, the law says that you start um, you start Mark Andrews, you start Lamar Jackson. The same thing goes here. You start Kelsey, you start Mahomes. Now right. for the rest of the for the rest of the pass catchers in that offense, I'm not excited about them because you know it's been playing whack a mole to pick which one is the right one each week. You know, Juju and um, MVS are out there the most, but, you know, it's it's really hard to pin down which one, if either of them, is going to be the one to, um, to to benefit from the what I anticipate being a dink and dunk approach from the KC offense. So if, if I could, I would rather just steer clear of them and hopefully I have something else on, on my roster that I could pivot to. Um, you know, this is a game where KC could really use that short area quickness that Tyreek would bring to the uh, could bring to the table, and then that long speed on top of the short area quickness. You know, Tyreek could settle down in between those zones, get the ball, juke this guy, juke that guy, then pew mm-hmm. to the to, to the end zone. And I don't know if they have that guy, maybe. Maybe Sky Moore is that guy, and they've been holding him off in reserve <laughs> just to bust him out for this game. But, you know, that's not something that's in evidence so far. So all that to say, I'm not really comfortable with any of their pass catchers outside of Travis Kelsey. And just a quick note on their running game. I'm not really loving CEH here. Um, nope. One, the Buffalo rush defense is elite. And as 
as we've been talking about all throughout this year, he's just a very touchdown dependent type of player. And, you know, going one, going up and against, going up against an elite defense Two, his usage has kind of peaked and kind of come down with McKinnon getting more work, especially when the games end up being closer. I just, I, you know, it's that situation where, you know, where you have to pull a tight end off of waivers to fill in for your tight end that's on by. You just kind of pray for a touchdown. I think that's the same kind of situation you're in here with, with CEH. It's kind of a touchdown or bust type of deal with him. And um, so, yeah, I'm not saying I'd want to avoid him, but I'd hope that if he hit my lineup, it would be as a flex play at best. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure that everybody has that luxury, but that's, right. that's just the way I, I see it. Um, what, what about you? What's, what's cracking with Casey in your eyes? Yeah, I only had two, uh, main notes that I made on this game with CEH. I had in my notes TD or bust with him. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you pretty much harped upon the points there. Um, with, with CEH though, you may have to be in a spot where he's your RB2 this week because we have four teams on by. And, you know, you may just be down on the numbers on that. The second thing, um, dealing with Juju, uh, the Bills do play a good amount of zone defense. Um, Juju is leading Kansas City in targets while um, defenses are running a zone at 23 targets. So it could be an opportunity for him. But, you know, he's not getting many yards per those receptions. So he could just be a wide receiver three or four play for you that just holds steady on your roster. And other than that, that's pretty much it on KC that I had. All right. So, yeah, game of the week. Absolutely cannot wait um, to, to, to see that. And, I mean, that's up to this point, it'll probably be the game of the season um, as, as I think back on other good matchups that we've seen so far. So, you know, this is – pretty much what we're all expecting to see in the, for the AFC championship game. So, you know, yeah, can't, can't wait for that. Same here. Same here. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get into a little Arizona Cardinals going to, uh, going to play the Seattle Seahawks. What, um, what say you, bro? How, how, How are you feeling about these Cardinals coming coming into this week? All right. So looking at the Cardinals, we've discussed this before in last week's show, but Kyler's still leading the league in pass attempts and sitting at QB five on the year. Um, You know, still having some inefficiencies, if you will, but going up against the Seattle defense, they're giving up 20 points uh, a game to fantasy quarterbacks here. So, I mean, per usual, you're always putting Kyler in, but feel even more confident in this matchup. Uh, the past three games for Kyler, they've also ran 10 designed run plays for him. So it looks like there's some rushing upside that he could be having um, with what they're doing offensively. To the running back room, uh, James Conner has not practiced this week so far. I believe Arizona actually um, didn't practice today, but they have to list people um, if, if they would have participated or not but either way if if connor plays fire him up if if it's not connor you know benjamin definitely fire him up 
Um, Seattle, for my research, is on choo-choo alert <laughs> via the ground. <laughs> they've given up the third most rushing attempts, um, and they've given up the third most receiving yards for running backs as well. So it's a good opportunity for running backs to get involved. And I really love Benjamin if he's just there in the backfield by himself because uh, you're not worrying about Connor being there. And and if Connor is there, then, you know, the Benjamin play is kind of a little icky because we don't know how much Connor will play. Will he be 100%? So just things to keep in mind. Um, Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore, solid plays. Uh, with Brown, he's first in snaps on the team, second in targets. I'm sorry, second in targets overall with wide receivers, and he's sixth in receiving yards. And, of course, earlier this week I touched on Rondell Moore getting an uptick, uptick in snaps this week, went seven for 68, and he ran most of those in the slot, which is kind of the position we've naturally seen him play with with A.J. Green now back in the fold there. Zach Ertz, fire him up. Yes. Seattle is the worst, <laughs> worst defensive. I'm sorry, worst defense fantasy wise um, when it comes to points given up to tight ends. Uh, part of that could be skewed to what we saw with Taysom Hill last week. Sorry, don't mean to rub you wrong here, big bro. <laughs> um, no, 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 it's but, all good. But peep this: Alberto had five receptions. Uh, Ross Dwelly had a touchdown against him when they played San Francisco. Kyle Pitts, it's been his only good performance this year. And, of course, uh, Hawkinson went dummy against them a couple weeks ago. So take with that information what you will. Um, put in Zach Ertz. Even look at him in DFS in your GPP plays. Um, what do you think about Arizona in this matchup? Yeah, you you nailed all the stuff that um that that I would have chosen to highlight. So you know, there's no need to rehash that. The only thing I would would just say is that I guess like in a broader sense, you know, I'm still that that Arizona offense, you know, within the within the NFL landscape is just kind of mid so far, and this. <laughs> My God. Yeah, th- well, it's, it's true. I mean, yeah, it but, is, but it this is. right here, this is a get-right spot for them. So if they're unable to do that, then it's time to, you know, question some things, both like real football-wise and fantasy-wise um, for, 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 for this team. And, you know, so many, so many of their guys are in smash spots right now that – if they come out and you know they just lay an egg, it's it's really going to hurt the value of some of these pieces moving moving forward. Like if you wanted to flip, um, you know, in any one of these players for for somebody else, you know, per, particularly Kyler, um, you know, I'm just going to say he should be a quarterback four or above this week, you know. And I could maybe even tighten that up to say a quarterback three or above this week, but he Ooh, absolutely okay. should be. He absolutely should be quarterback four, quarterback five, or above this week. Okay. Like any anything less is uncivilized. So I don't. I yeah, this is this is make a break on them for me, but, but yeah, I asked to I see a breakdown of um, the pieces of the Arizona offense for uh, fantasy wise 
yeah, we're we're in the same corner. Good deal, good deal. So, um, no, go ahead. Seahawks, then. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna throw it to you on 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 the Seahawks. Got you. So the Seahawks. We'll start with my man Gino. The answer is yes, please. Yes, please. Um, Arizona, just like um, Seattle, is giving up around 20-plus points per game to the quarterback position in fantasy. A note here in regards to um, explosive pass rate, what I'm seeing here is that Arizona is the worst defense regarding that, and it appears that Seattle is the best offensively in explosive pass rate. So are you saying this might be a smash spot? I'm saying it might be a smash spot, man. I would be bold and almost say Gino would be QB one on the week, but we had that previous matchup. We just talked about that. I couldn't yeah. <laughs> go there, but yeah, don't, don't be surprised if Gino Smith is QB two or QB three on the week, because this is an absolute smash spot for him. Um, looking at the wide receiving options, obviously, just said a smash spot for the quarterback. I feel the same for DK and Tyler Lockett. With them last year against Arizona, they went 18 receptions total, 302 yards and two touchdowns. And that's between two games versus Arizona. <laughs> so basically, they're averaging 75 yards a game <laughs> in a well, touchdown and a half. Yeah. <laughs> and another note on that, uh, Tyler Lockett had averaged 23.7 yards per reception in the matchups. <laughs> Just absolutely crazy. So fire them up. Um, I mean, even in, in a deeper league, you may want to look at Will Disley and Noah Fan as well. Um, it's been kind of interesting, the snap shares that they've been having, but you may want to look at them if you're in tight end desperation because, again, Arizona is bad against the tight end as well. Now, Kenneth Walker, in this matchup, he, he should be fine. There's going to be volume for him here. Um, Arizona has the lowest amount of rushing attempts against them, and I think part of that has to do with just such success with teams passing the ball against them, but I think Kenneth Walker has a chance to be an RB2 here just on sheer volume and his talent by himself. What do you think of Seattle in this matchup? Um, yeah, again, we we independently came to pretty much the same conclusions on this. Um, so, yeah, Gino, yes. DK and Lockett, obviously. Um, and man, I wish... I wish they would just distill um, Disley and Fant into one tight end, you know, just, just smash them together and make right. one tight end. <laughs> so that way you can fire one of one of the two of them up. And um, But, yeah, like you said, you know, it's almost like, you know, if, if you're desperate for a tight end, you could look at those two, flip a coin, pick one, put them into your lineup, and then just hope right. and pray that the one you picked is the one that um, – that catches the touchdown or has like a, you know, a, a big catch or a big catch or two kind of, kind of thing. Um, I wish there were more certainty there, but them's the breaks. Um, and yeah, just like you said, as far as Kenneth Walker, 
from from an efficiency metric side, there's absolutely nothing special about this Arizona run defense. Like they're they're actually not good. They're they're really not good. It's just teams teams prefer to pass on them because right. their pass defense is just not good either. And I I suppose it's one of those situations where do you want a hamburger or do you want steak? Both are fine <laughs> options, but you just you just take the steak of of the passing attack and, right. and you go with that because that's the easiest way to take somebody's heart out, I suppose. So you know if if you are if you're a person who's like for the first time about to fire Kenneth Walker up in your lineup, and maybe maybe he disappoints, don't get you know don't get too down on the young man. It's it could just end up being that. Seattle doesn't run the ball as much um, yeah. because teams choose Good to point. go the yeah, teams choose to go the passing route against Arizona. Now the thing that's working in his favor as far as potential running volume is that we do know that Pete Carroll loves to establish it. So um, there there is that hope walking into walking into the game that <laughs> Pete kind of leans on as always. You know, they they keep turning me back into the old me. <laughs> you know, that that might come out here, and uh, and Walker's able to get his carries up. Um, but you you're absolutely not sitting him. You know, don't sit him just because when you go to points against, you see Arizona at or near the bottom. Right. Because it's all it's purely volume based, and the Seahawks very well could turn to a more run based approach. So um, so yeah, we are. We're, we're pretty much in lockstep on on how we see this game as well. Good deal, good deal. Well, let's get on to the next matchup we have here. We want to preview. Got the Dallas Cowboys heading east. They're four and one going up against the Philadelphia Eagles at five and zero. Oh. Philly is a four and a half point favorite. The over under is a whopping forty two points. Let's start with those visiting. Dallas Jerry Joneses, what are your thoughts on them in this matchup? Word. Okay, so so real quick, take take a step back. You just said um, you had the line at Philly minus four and a half. I looked before we came in here, and I saw Philly minus six and a half. So um, so yeah, folks have been pounding um, pounding that number um, all throughout here. So yeah, but the over under hasn't moved. The over under has stayed at forty two. So okay. that's uh, huh. yeah, that's that's not a whole lot of points with a with a decent sized spread going on. So, um, right, so, something's going to have to give on on that front. But um, but yeah, as for as for the fantasy nitty gritty of this matchup, it's looking like it should be a fast paced game because Dallas plays at the fourth fastest pace and Philadelphia plays at the second fastest pace. This is um this is neutral game script. So, you know, it's looking like there should be a lot of plays gotten off in this game, you know, both teams kind of hew towards what it is they they normally tend to do. As far as the Dallas side of things, well, we're going to find out about this so-called quarterback controversy um, with Cooper Rush and, and Dak. Um, you know, when Dak's ready, should they bring him because the boy Cooper Rush is 4-0 and since he's come in and, oh, and blah, 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 like – Love. You know, you know, I I know I'm sh- I'm pretty sure that like 95 percent of that is tongue in cheek, but 
we're going to find out about it. We're going to find out about Mr. Cooper Rush today because, well, today on Sunday, because this Philly pass defense, they're not to be messed with. These guys, th this is an elite unit. This is a top of the league type of unit. And if I'm having to guesstimate how this is going to play out, I think Cooper Rush is going to be overmatched here. You know, that Philly, Philly can get after the passer. Their coverage is great. They don't give up explosive plays. Like this is, this is a nightmare matchup for even a good quarterback. So, um, so for somebody who's been a career backup, who the team has been more or less trying to hide, um, as far as, um, as far as passing rate goes, I just, I, I don't, well, I never really, there was one week in here where I kind of saw a path to starting him. I can't remember. It was a few weeks ago. I can't, I can't remember who they're playing, but like, absolutely no way. If you are in quarterback trouble, seek refuge elsewhere. Do not, uh, do, do, do not push the Cooper Cup start button. Excuse me. Cooper Rush start button. And as for the Dallas pass catchers, I mean, you're going to play CD Lamb's opportunity. I feel like you, you, you have to do that. You put the draft capital into him. He's been, you know, he, he's been playing well lately. He's, he's running all the routes. His target share is out of this world. You play the opportunity, hope for a coverage bust or something, or just hope for a bunch of volume. And, you know, he can make his numbers that way. Um, if you're in an absolute pinch, an absolute pinch, Michael Gallup's, um, his usage numbers just skyrocketed from his first week batch back, which was week four through into week five. He was out there for 89% of the routes. He saw a 29% target share per route run, and he ended up with 33% of Dallas's targets last week. So if you That's need good. to put it, yeah, yeah, yeah. If for whatever reason you need to put a chip on maybe a long shot play or a contrarian play in DFS, I, you know, I, I don't know. That might be a little too contrarian, but um, my, Michael Gallup, you know, he's got the underlying peripherals that, it could be he's the one that sees, you know, the the one big play that that, that gets given up, you know, the the touch, the seventy five yard touchdown, or whatever type, type of play. Um, so yeah, that's that's really it on that pass catching core, though. I I think Dalton Schultz is still injured, and the rest of those tight ends, I'm not really I'm not really excited about. Um, to the running game, to to the RB, um, to the RB core, you know, if there is any joy to be had for the Dallas offense, I think it'll it'll maybe come through the running game. It is the weaker of the two um, defensive units um, th that Philly has, but they're not they're not a slouch or anything like that. Like they're, they're still a top tier unit. They're just their run unit just isn't as good. Uh, their run defense just isn't as good as their pass defense but you know Zeke has been he's been gobbling up a, a large chunk of the the running back the running back everything the carries 
the long down and distance, the targets. It's actually his his usage has been kind of going up, but his his efficiency is not good. His overall production is not good. And it's getting to the point where he's that has kind of squeezed Tony Pollard into this. Well, you can't cut him because the kid is good. I mean, like you saw what he did on limited work just last week, but it makes it hard to know when to play him because, you know, he's having, he's having to show off that efficiency on so few number of touches that, you know, it's, He's basically, he's very boomer bust. He's a boomer bust running back three, I think, which kind of makes him, you know, a, a flex play. And here we are at these bye weeks. You know, he's a he's a flex play that I'd fire up, but I'd maybe, you know, I'd be just like on the edge of my seat like through the whole game, just like give him the damn ball. He's good. So, <laughs> you know, it's. It's probably going to be – it's been this way all throughout the year and it'll probably end up being this way um, as, as as we move forward. I think they're both RB3 flex plays um, as long as their usage pattern stays where, where, where it is right now. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of talked out on this Dallas side of the ball. Um, you, 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 you got some, uh, some Dallas notes to share with me and the people. Yeah, just two real quick. With, uh, with Zeke – he has been having an uptick in opportunities, if you will, but they're primarily on the ground. And so I'm not expecting much of much of anything to come of that against Philly. Um, Target-wise, he's had no more than two targets a game this year. And overall, he has five receptions through five games. So like you mentioned, Zeke, Zeke is an RB3 play at this point. I mean – he has to fall into the end zone for for you to even probably salvage the RB two production. So uh, that's that's it on Zeke. And then my other notes on Michael Gallup. Uh, I do like the notes that you had on the uptick um, going from that first game to the game against the Rams. But I'm not too confident with him in this matchup. For me, no. I would be I would be starting. You know, I mean, obviously, I'm going to start Gallup over like Allen Robinson, but I think I would take a shot on Darnell Mooney over Gallup, and I don't know if that's bold or not to say, but that's just my, oh, wow. my thoughts on it. Wow. Okay. But well, yeah, you know, like that's that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting comparison those two because Mooney is getting a huge share of nothing. But then Gallup is getting a, a decent – well, I mean, for any other receiver, that, that would be a huge share of the Philly defense, though. So it's kind of a – Right. Yeah, it's – I'll be interested to see we'll, – we'll maybe spin back to this after the week plays out and see, um, and see how those two fared relative to each other uh, going – just like in, in a recap or whatever next week. That, that, that'd be cool to look at. Yeah. Um, let's look at the Philly side. What you got for them in this matchup? All right. So just like I thought that, you know, the Kansas City passing attack versus the Buffalo pass D was going to be the matchup of that game, I think 
what's going to determine this game is this Philly offense versus uh, versus the Dallas defense, particularly the the Philly passing offense versus this uh, the Dallas pass defense. Um, you know, from a fantasy perspective, you're playing Hurts, you're playing AJ Brown, you're playing Devontae Smith, and you're playing Goddard because in all four cases, it's not likely that you have better options. Um, sure. From uh, from like usage, from like the usage perspective, given where you drafted um, those guys, and on top of that, they've just been too good to sit. You know, they, they, they they've just been too good to sit. You know, you go out. Um, like they say, you go out on your shield. You, you go out with your with, with your best players in in your lineup. Um, but this matchup is going to be a real test for them, especially especially Hurts, who is going to have to deal with that Dallas pass rush. You know, their PFF has them graded as the number one pass rush in the league. PFF has um, the Dallas secondary or the da- Dallas pass coverage, that's just the secondary, as the fourth best in the league. And so, and, you know, by the, the EPA numbers, they're top 10 as far as, as far as EPA per play goes. So they get you coming and going. This this Dallas defense. So I I really feel like in general this game is going to be um, you know especially if Michael Michael Parsons is able to play and is able to uh, to 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 gut through that uh, groin injury I believe it is that he has. In I think so yeah with Michael Parsons Michael Parsons in tow I think this game is going to be a real referendum on where Jalen Hurts is at as as a quarterback. Um, is he is he able to, you know, put those legs to good use and get around this Dallas pass rush, or you know, check into better looks to you know sit there and process, find the uh, f- find the right guy to to hit on on passing plays, or you know, just be able to outrun Michael Parsons to the edge when it comes down to it. <laughs> you know, a race between those two when they're both healthy that would be that'd be hell of a thing to see. Yeah, um, that'd be spicy. But yeah, but yeah, just you know, just from a watching football, you know, yes, I love playing fantasy and whatnot. But it all stems out of loving to watch this game. I can't, I can't wait to watch uh, to watch this matchup. And I really, really do hope that Michael Parsons is able to play at something approximating his best. Um, all that to say, though, I I won't be at all surprised if, you know, there's a dent in the production we've come to expect from the Philly pass game just because they'll be faced up against a very, very elite unit. And I don't imagine that they'll be able to just shut things down come the second half like they've done in four of their past five games. You know, they kind of had to show a little something last week in Arizona. um, Yeah. Kind of eke that victory out. But for for the other four games that they played, they've just been in cruise control going into the second half. Um, so yeah, that, that's it on their on their passing game. Though you're going to start the guys who you normally start. Um, as for their running game, you know, Miles Miles Sanders. So all right, there's a, there's I guess there's two two parts of this. Miles Sanders, his usage metrics. Look great, and he's been he's been producing. I believe he's you know the RB twelve on the year uh, through, through through this point, and you certainly didn't have to draft him as an RB twelve. So you know he's been 
he, he's been a profitable player um, if, if you got him at or below his ADP so far this year. So like that's a positive. And for that, I think you do play him. Well, yeah, no question. Like, yeah, you, you, you do play him, but it's kind of on the same kind of meal plan that the offense is going to be in. Um, I think that the Dallas, as far as, you know, giving up big explosive plays, the Dallas, um, the Dallas run defense is on the same plan as their, as their, um, as their pass defense. Now, they're not as highly ranked by by PFF and whatnot as, as far as a run defensive unit goes. But running backs aren't really feasting on them either. So um, mm-hmm. it's the kind of situation where I would play Miles Sanders because I'm playing his opportunity. And, um, and you know, just, just hopefully he's able to get you a touchdown because I don't think he'll just get – I don't think he'll get you there just off of yardage. I think um, – if he's going to finish as an RB one this week, he's going to need a touchdown to uh, to to get you there, maybe even two. Um, so yeah, that's I, I I would feel comfortable starting him though. So I'll, I'll say that much. So yeah, that's that's pretty much what I got on this uh, on on this Philadelphia side of things. Um, how, how about you, little bro? Yeah, for me. I just had one note that I was going to add with um, with Dallas Goddard. I'm interested to see how he performs this week against this Dallas defense. Uh, when I went through the tight ends that Dallas had faced this week, they haven't really faced a tight end kind of worth a damn with the exception of uh, Tyler Higby, and he had 10 targets against them. Now, we also know that the Rams use Higby a lot <laughs> in their offense, but I also saw when they played the Redskins, Logan Thomas has six targets. So the who? I think it may be <laughs> right. <laughs> Logan Thomas, my man. Yeah. So I think this could be opportunity for Goddard to have another good game here. He's coming off a good, well, pretty solid performance against uh, Arizona per usual. So yeah, that's, that's all I had on Philly. You covered them pretty well. Cool. All right, so now we we'll look at our the last little game we want to kind of go in depth on this week, and it might be a bit of a shocker to you, but it's the New York Jets traveling to Lambeau to face the Green Bay Packers, um, and we picked this one because there are there are a decent number of fantasy entities that I think deserve. Um, I think to deserve to be talked about. So, um, so yeah, let, let's take a, a look, see at these two teams. Um, what say you about these, uh, about these jets here, Derek? Yeah. So with these, or did jets, you want me to start? No, nah, I'll start. I'm here. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, with the jets, with the Jets, I think you have to start with Brees Hall just from that amazing performance he had last week, which we covered in the last pod. Um, he's coming on here for this offense. He's uh, had 20 touches the past two weeks, Michael Carter with around 11. So he's getting the predominant amount of touches in this backfield. I think Brees Hall should be a top probably 15 play this week for sure. Um, with Green Bay's defense, they're sitting at 29th in rush EPA and 27th in explosive run rate allowed. So this should be a 
matchup where Brees Hall does work. And I said top 15. I mean, I think that's probably near his floor. He could have a higher game than this for sure. Uh, Michael Carter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael Carter is probably, you know, uh, uh, maybe a flex play this week because of the bye weeks, but he could be involved here as well to a point where he may be worth a flex start. Um, With the wide receivers – let me look at my notes here. Um, 108 PPR fantasy points given up to slot receivers. That puts Green Bay in the top 12 in that category. And Garrett Wilson runs more than half of his snaps from the slot. So I think there's an opportunity here for him to do work. Elijah Moore and Corey Davis are out in the field. Um, pretty, um, They're out in the field more than Garrett Wilson. But with Elijah Moore, you know, there hasn't been much production going his way. And probably Corey Davis is the one wide receiver here who's been producing the most. So from my perspective, I think you should look at Wilson, high upside wide receiver three play. Corey Davis is fine as a three there as well. Elijah Moore, I'm not excited about putting in my lineups. And then finally with Tyler Conklin, um, with Wilson coming back, um, and the lower target share he's received with Wilson back, I don't think you can put him in his lineups, especially considering the fact he just goose-egged. So, yeah, look at other options for tight end. Uh, Daryl, what you got for me on the Jets? All right. So, overall, I think the pace of this game is going to tend to be slow with the Jets. The Jets are just slightly above average. Slightly above average. They come in at 14th. Um, in pace, the 14th fastest pace, Green Bay, the 31st pa- uh, fastest pace. And if you've watched a Green Bay game this year, you've seen just like they do these slow death marches um, uh, up the field. It's just kind of a, a boa constrictor of an offense that, that they're trying to run, which can really hurt the number of possessions and plays that either team is able to get off. So, um, that said, though, you know, Green Bay is susceptible to to big plays. So, you know, the Jets will have that avenue available to them. I'm just not – and I just have – I don't have any clarity in as far as what their pass-catching situation is like. You know, um, you you listed off some, some, some very good factoids there, especially as relates to, to Garrett Wilson. So – you know, maybe he is the pass catcher to to take advantage of um, of, of Green Bay's. I don't want to say propensity, but well, Green Bay's propensity to give up a big pass play or two per game. Um, I am yeah, like I wouldn't feel comfortable starting Corey Davis or Elijah Moore, as you mentioned. Um, to that end, I'm also not that excited to start. Zach Wilson, he did kind of look okay last game, but, you know, I said on one hand, you know, Green Bay can give up, um, you know, splash plays, but they also have a very good pass rush, and the Jets Jets pass blocking is not that great. So this could be a day where Zach ends up getting harassed, and he's not not the best quarterback when he's uh, he's not kept clean in the pocket. So 
I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend him as as a, as a start. Brees Brees should eat this week. I've you know Brees should eat, and you had him um, you know you, you, well you mentioned it yourself putting him in the top fifteen that that might be a little bit too flory of a um, of a projection for him. But for all intents and purposes, man, th- this man should be an RB1 this week. He, he really should be because this Green Bay run defense is not good. It's, it's not good. We, we saw, we saw Saquon carve them up just, uh, just last week. And Saquon did that in a number of ways, you know, from, from running the ball, long runs, short runs for touchdowns. Um, I think Saquon had like a 40 yard reception. As well, so like there's there's a lot of ways that running backs can hurt this uh, this Green Bay defense, and Brees is in prime position to do that. And you know, to borrow um, to borrow a term from the guy Sigmund Bloom from Football Guys, I wouldn't be mad at Michael Carter as a what the heck flex um, if you if you get <laughs> if you get caught, uh, yeah. Yeah, if if you get caught as a um, if you get caught with you know being shorthanded on your roster due to the bye weeks being here, Michael Carter as a as a dark throw flex, I like it because you know even though Brees is ascending, Michael Carter is still getting um, a decent amount of work, and we saw last week they're not afraid to send him in to vulture a touchdown or two. So um, you know if you can you. You can play him, you know, in a spray and pray kind of kind of manner, and that that wouldn't be the worst um, that that wouldn't be the worst thing to do um, if, if you're really hurting for a flex fill in this week. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I had on those Jets of New York. What about the the Packers of Green Bay? What, what are you seeing for them? The Packers of Green Bay, starting with. Aaron Rodgers, a.k.a. Mr. 240-2. He's pretty much throwing like 200, like a little over between 200 to 250 yards and two touchdowns every every week, which yeah. from a fantasy perspective, that's that's nothing. That's nothing that's great. It's it's solid. It's if you were streaming Aaron Rodgers, like that's great. That's a great performance. You'll take that all day. Um, but he's been like QB 13 or 14, like each of the past three or four weeks. So in this particular matchup, I'm thinking he's probably within that same realm again. So if you have him um, as your QB, um, as your QB, he's he's fine. And that, so you're that's saying my like, opinion on that. You're saying if you need okay. somebody to fill in for Davis Mills this week, then – you, you you feel fine with uh, <laughs> with Aaron Rodgers? I'm perfectly fine. If you happen to have Davis Mills, like go ahead and stream Aaron Rodgers this week, or Tannehill, <laughs> yeah. or Tannehill. You are a fool, my man. I love it. Um, Aaron Jones and uh, AJ Dillon. From a fantasy point perspective, um, the Jets are a middle of the pack points given up defense um, fantasy-wise, but looking at metri- metrics and whatnot, they're 24th in explosive run, re- run rate 
18th in EPA, and they allow the eighth highest um, success rate on the ground. So I'm firing up Aaron Jones, no doubt. A.J. Dillon, probably in a lower tier RB2, RB3 range. Um, Jones just coming off a good performance where he got a bunch of touches. So, you know, think deal with that as you will. Um, with the wide receivers, I'm fine with firing up Alan Lazard and Romeo Dubs. Um, they're pretty much having the same target share since Dubs has become full-time. Uh, probably the, the main difference, I think Lazard probably has more of the air yard share. And um, they are running some plays for Dubs where you'll see them hike it and they throw it out like they would do with uh, Devontae. So both of them are fine. Uh, Randall Cobb, he's coming off that big performance, but, you know, he may be out there again, the amount, but I'm not expecting that same kind of performance. So for me, I would be benching him. But if you're in a pinch, I think he's fine as a lower tier flex play, maybe a wide receiver four, if you will. And then with Robert Tanyan, looking at the Jets, they're a middle of the pack uh, defense in related to tight end fantasy points. But for me, it's a no thank you. The target share isn't there, and you're just basically on a touchdown or bust with him. So I'd rather look at Will Disley or Noah Fan and take my shot there. What you got on Green Bay for me? Um, so one thing that we may or may not know out here in fantasy land about this New York Jets defense is that their pass defense has really tightened up as compared to last year, they are fifth in EPA per play on um, first and second down. This is this is their pass, uh, their pass defense. Fifth in EPA per play on first and second down. Twelfth rated coverage unit per um, PFF. Fourth rated pass rush per PFF. So these guys aren't 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 slouches. Like they're they're not pushovers. Um, in as far as their past defense goes. Now, it just so happens that Green Bay is good at protecting the quarterback, and that quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, he's he's a he, he's a pretty smart dude. So I'm not – one, I'm not suggesting you go and play the Jets defense or, or, or anything like that. I say all what, what I'm saying to say that um, – there might not be a lot of a lot of joy out there to be had for uh, for the Green Bay pass catchers. Um, you know the the Jets aren't they're they're not what they used to be. You know they it used to just be an auto start. You know if you had uh, the wide receiver one or wide receiver two on an offense that was facing the Jets defense, you know that that was auto start. You you just you just uh, set it and forget it. But it's no it's no longer like that. So, you know, if you're stuck and you have to play Lazard and 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 Doves, I I get it, but I'm not expecting anything close to a smash from them. You know, if I'm having to play them, I'm just hoping they can you know tread some water for me in my lineup, and that some some big dog that I have somewhere else, you know, my my Justin Jefferson or my um, or my Stefan Diggs hits and these guys just kind of don't goose egg me and, and keep me afloat type type of thing. So 
Um, that's just maybe something to look at going forward because if you're starting Romeo Dubs and you're starting uh, Alan Lazard, you're probably not expecting a smash play like a like a wide receiver one type of play every week from them. But what I'm saying is this week especially don't expect it because um, I don't I, I don't know that that's going to come through for you. Now as for um, as for the Green Bay running backs. You know, something interesting has kind of been going on there with um, A.J. Dillon's playing time has been going down recently. He saw zero targets last week against uh, against the Giants. And, you know, if you recall back to the beginning of the year, I know Aaron Rodgers spoke to it. I'm not sure if Matt LaFleur did, but Aaron Rodgers spoke to wanting to get both of these running backs to 50 receptions this year. And here we have Aaron Jones's excuse me, we have um, A.J. Dillon's target share like going down, 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 and his fantasy performances have been going um, have been going down. His rushing, uh, his rushing share has been going down as well. So, like, something, something is, is going on there, and until that gets turned around, you know, he's, he's a flex play for me. You know, he's, he came into the year, it's, to my mind, you know, as a solid RB2 play. Now he's kind of holding on as a, as a flex play, maybe hopefully help me get through a bye week type flex play. And on the flip side, Aaron Jones's usage has been has been going up to the point where if it's you know if if he keeps up this level of his you know underlying usage, his snap share, his target share, things of that nature, you know he'll be profiling as a running back one, you know, maybe like a lower end running back one, but still. Um, and that's, you know, I think maybe the thing, at least the way I was looking at it coming into the years, like Aaron Jones is like a strong RB2 and Dylan is like a mid to low RB2 as well. Like, you know, they, they could both finish there, but with the way this usage has been going, Lately, you know, Aaron is knocking on the door of having RB one usage, and as as you mentioned, Derek, this uh, this Jets defense is they can give up the odd splash play, um, and between the two of them, but between Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones is more cut out to make those splash plays with um with that speed and and, and shiftiness. So, you know, I would I would feel very comfortable. Um, firing up Aaron Jones. And for me, A.J. Dillon is, you know, if you can get away with him as a, as a spray and pro, as a spray and pray flex, that, that would be the most I would expect out of him for, for this week. So yeah, those are, those are my ruminations on, uh, on this Green Bay fantasy offense. And I think thus ends our deep dives into um, into what we into what we reviewing as some of the games of the week, the, the games of the most interest to us. Yes, sir. That puts a bow on that. Let's get on to our next segment. This is our buy or sell segment, aka I can do that. I can do that. Let's go. <laughs> One more time. I can. I can do that. Yes, sir. <laughs> I can do that from the song from Little Flip. 
Shout out Lil what Flip. You got? Shout out Lil Flip indeed. Song by Lil Flip basically, you know, giving us a rap, letting us know everything he can do because he got the money, he got what he want, he can do that. So we got three of them here. The first one, Will George Kittle, tight end for the San Francisco 49ers, finish higher than Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews in PPR points this week. Daryl, can he do that or he won't do that? You know what's funny? You said um, George Kittle, tight end for the San Francisco 49ers. And in my head, I almost feel like it was necessary to say that because, <laughs> you know, this man, this man has been on oh, a milk man. carton um, for, for for the majority of of this season. And so the 49ers, oh, I, I just looked at this. Who Who is it that they have this week? I was just looking at it. They have, they have Atlanta. The Falcons. Yeah. Yeah. They have the Falcons. You know. I'm just, you know what? No, he, he. I'm not gonna look at anything. It's just, just no. Just on the strength of that, he's being compared to Kelsey and Mark Andrews. Look, George Kittle. George Kittle is a monster. He's a he, he's a monster. He's as far as talent goes and athletic packaging goes and all that. He might very well be the best tight end in the league. You know, as far as like you you put everything you want in the tight end in one package, that man has it. He's fast as hell, great hands, loves contact, will run away from you when he has the ball. If he's blocking, will absolutely pancake you and steamroll you. But he's not playing on an offense that looks for him the same way that Kelsey's offense and Andrew's offense does. You know, George Kittle is very capable of, of putting up a 30 ball. I just don't see that happening this week. Uh, it's, it's just because nothing even approaching it has happened for him so far this year. So I'm going to say I'm, I'm forced I'm forced to say, and it pains me to say this about my man, George Kittle. He can't do that. (laughs) What about you? So the reason, yeah, the reason why I included this question in there is because, again, he's going up against Atlanta, which I should have said up front. Atlanta's top four in points given up to tight ends fantasy-wise. Let me just go through this real quickly for you. Tyler Higby, seven for 71 against that defense. Cade Auden. Do you know who that is? Um, the the backup tight end for the Bucks. That is him. Six receptions, forty three yards. David Njoku gave him five for seventy three. His teammate Harrison Bryant, four for eighteen. I mean, that's not nothing great, but that's in a game. That's what it was seven targets for Njoku, six for Harrison Bryant. That was 13 tight end targets. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, going on, uh, Noah Fant and Will Disley had a total of seven targets against him as well and scored a touchdown. You're getting my point here. Um, tight ends yeah. eat against his defense. But I am in step with you. I do not think he can get higher than either one of these guys this week. He can't do that. 
Yeah. I mean, look, I does he have the um, he has all around skills to do it? They're just they're just not looking for him enough to to do that. You know, that's that's really that's really where it comes down for me. And I'll say this: I hope I hope that we're both wrong about this because I really like watching that dude catch the ball and just be a a threatening menace of death when when he's running in the open field looking for um looking for dbs to bowl over so yeah i i hope we're wrong but yeah sorry sorry george i'm i'm gonna have to sell on that same here all right so for our next can uh for our next uh question and i can do that here i'm pulling it up great radio great radio so, will Ramondre Stevenson finish as a top five back this week against Cleveland? Derek, I ask you, can he do that? He going to do that. He definitely <laughs> going to do that. The recent, the recent tape we just saw was Cleveland going up against the Chargers. <laughs> Austin Eckler had 16 for 173 against them and a touchdown. He also did some things in the air. Josh Kelly even got a touchdown here. Um, so, yeah, running backs have just eight against this defense. Um, I'm expecting, excuse me, I'm expecting Ramondre to get a bulk of the carries here. From my understanding, um, Damian Harris will not be available for this game. So, yeah, fire up Ramondre, top five. He can do that. Well, yeah, I – Wow, I, I wish there was a little bit more division between us on this because, yeah, I, he, I'm just gonna say it at the top. He can do that, and and it's, it's just like you said, this Cleveland run defense. You know, that's that's the area of like as far as team building goes. Like that's kind of where where they they scrimped. You know, their their coverage unit spent money there. They're pass rushing with um, with Clowning and Miles Garrett. They put the money in that, but like up the middle, that D tackle situation, it's not. It's it's beyond not elite, and that's that's been borne out in the results that they've seen. Um, that that well that they've been giving up to opposing running backs. So yeah, you take that and you couple it with the fact that Ramondre's good, man. Like that, he's. Yeah, he, he's good. He he just has that look of one of those dudes. It's just like, man, I don't want to tackle him. Like it's just you you see him, you know, like as compared to you know, well, I'll say this much: I don't want to tackle anybody in the NFL, not not even a punter. But like, you know, if you put Ramondre next to say Jeff Wilson, I I I I choose to maybe try to tackle Jeff Wilson first. But Ramondre is just he just. <laughs> He just has. He looks like he's just made up of of angles and muscle, and I just don't want any part of that. So yeah, I'm 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 with you on that. That that's a strong. He can do that. For sure, for sure. You got the last one. Yeah. All right. So last one. Last. Can he do that? Um, will DJ Moore finish as a wide receiver two or better this week? 
What say you, bro? Can DJ Moore do that? I just realized I was going to read that one to you because I wanted to amaze you with some stuff, but I'm going to come with the stats anyway. So going up against the Rams, their fourth in points given up to the wide receiver. It was some interesting notes um, regarding this for me when I came up with this and my thought process, but real quickly. So PJ Walker had a previous start and in that previous start, DJ Moore went seven for 127. Granted, this is 2020 we're talking about. And it was against the Detroit Lions. So <laughs> you take that with a grain of salt. But then I thought about it, and I was like, okay, Rondell Moore last week went 7 for 68. That was the wide receiver 24. And my thought process was we're on bye weeks, so it's less options. 7 for 68 is what, 13.8 points? And, of course, what's a wide receiver 24 is different in every week. But I just thought he can do that, and he will do that. What say you? Oh, man. I've I've just had a front-row seat to this this horror show of a season for G.J. Moore so far this year, and I have not seen (laughs) one bit of evidence – that it's it, it's not a DJ Moore thing. It's a it's a everything else surrounding that offense thing from from Baker to Matt Rule to that to um, to that scheme to Ben McAdoo. Um, just there are no facts and evidence that says this man is going to do that this week or ever this season. So it is with a heavy <laughs> heart because I like you, DJ Moore. Uh, that I'm going to have to give you a he can't do that. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Well, again, for me, I'm just leaning on the pass connection in that one game with P.J. Walker and the fact that the Rams defense, they're basically giving up the most points to uh, wide receivers that line out wide. Weird stat, but, hey, I'm just going to go with it. He going to be a top 24. So All right. to recap for me um, – I have a he can't do that for George Kittle. I have a he can do that for Ramondre Stevenson. And a he can do that for DJ Moore. What do you have? I have a he can do that. Excuse me. A he can't do that for George Kittle. A he can do that for Ramondre Stevenson. And a he can't do that for DJ Moore. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll recap that um, next week for sure. Let's go ahead and end. (laughs) Yes. Sound effects, baby. Let's go. Let's go ahead and end the show with a little DBB, the brothers battle. Uh, On this, on this part, we're just going to pick what our give our pick for what we think either spread or the over under what we're picking on the Washington uh, Chicago game. We have the spread at Chicago minus one and the over under at 37 and a half. And real quickly, when I last looked at the spread, it was Washington minus one. So there's been some movement. I turn it over to you. What you going? Um, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the points with the, with the commanders. Okay. Um, One, you know, I think it's just 
good policy that if Chicago is laying points, you take them. So, um, and to this point, I don't, I don't really care who the team is. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the point with, uh, with the commanders and, you know, maybe put a little bleach in my eyes when I watch this game. <laughs> yeah. For me, I don't, you? I don't have any in-depth analysis on it outside of Chicago's coming off, not a heartbreaker against Minnesota, but a game they had a chance to possibly win. They're coming back home. They're going up against a team that's not that good. I'm taking Chicago to cover the one point. <laughs> All right. Windy City, stand up. Let's go. All right. Let's go. Shout out Chi-Town. What they say, Chi-City. Well, yeah, man. All uh, right. We'll see. So, yeah, we, we just about we just about had a kickoff for, for this game, so... You know, we'll have our results here very soon. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, before we go, you got anything to add outside of another fun week of ball to go on? Oh man, I'm just uh, I'm just ready for this Buffalo Kansas City game. Uh, for the life of me, I do not know why that's not a prime time game. But you know, <laughs> I suppose Goodell and them boys have their reasons. So you know, it, that it's whatever. But yeah. I'm 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 ready to I'm ready to get into this week fantasy wise. I got a lot of make or break um matchups coming up, so you know, I'm I'm ready for the sweat. Let's get it. I got you. Well, I'll add on that. I mean, when we came into the season, like you have Denver and the Chargers as the Monday night game, and looking early on, you like, dang, they should have made that the Buffalo um KC game, but it's like well, we're getting a nice AFC matchup with a bunch of points, but little did they know. <laughs> little and the thing did is, they know. Just always Buffalo Casey always prime time. That should be that should be policy. That yeah. should just be policy. There's no excuse not to have right, right, yeah, we're getting a little far afield here, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I I agree with you though that like coming into the season, um Denver Chargers, that looks like a an, an absolute great game for for prime time. So you know it can't can't hindsight them boys on that too much. But you know Washington Chicago, no reason for that to be in prime time. I, I suppose maybe there's some something contractually where every so often everybody has to get get the chance to play in prime time, no matter how historically terrible they've been for years and years and years. Um, but <laughs> you know. Washington, Chicago, at least make one of the teams interesting. <laughs> My goodness. Oh, man. Well, with that, we're going to head out of here. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, again, the email is thebrothersff at gmail.com, dabrothersff at gmail.com. This is Derek and Daryl signing off. Y'all have a good one. Peace.